to choose it. Lover never without a rubber. Never in the sheets like it on top of the cover. Money on the dresser, drive a compressor. Top notch, get the most, not the lesser. Trash like the for $40 in the club. Well, I don't know if it's been two weeks or three weeks, but I know you guys have missed me. Because I've got like floods and floods of emails from people saying, when are you going to do the podcast again? We love the podcast. We're so bored without you. You are the only thing that keeps us going. Okay. Okay. No, I, maybe I didn't get many of those. In fact, I didn't get any of them. <laughs> I get zero podcasts. You know, I have to remind myself that I'm not doing this for anyone but myself. Because if I were, I would have quit a long time ago. Nobody cares about this podcast, but that's okay. I'm laying it out there for the future. I take great pride in predicting things or, or being able to go back and remind people when I was right. I'll say, hey, remember that? And I said that. No, I don't know. You never said that. I'll say, go back and listen to podcast number 87. It was on uh, June 13th, 2020. I talked about the reverse repo market and how it exploded. Oh, wait, we're not there yet. We're not there. Wait, I'm predicting the future. Dang, I'm good. I'm that good. I'm predicting the future about a past interaction in regards to the podcast that has not happened yet. Where else are you going to find that, people? Since I don't have anything close to regular listeners, welcome all you newbies to the Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper, and I come here about once every week or 30 days or somewhere in between to express the feelings that are built up on my chest. If there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. And I'm not going to explain why. You'll also know that I've been doing this for a while, and I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how to set, set up the audio to work correctly. So, I just wing it. Every week, I just wing it. I have no idea what I'm doing. I push the button, I turn the thing on, I twist the knob, and it records. But, uh, huge waste of money. Absolute waste of money. So, free lesson. Learn from my mistakes. If you decide you're going to start a podcast, do some research by podcasting equipment, not music recording equipment. You see, I was so stupid and so impatient that I had to get it. I couldn't wait. I went out and got the wrong stuff, and I don't know how to work it. It's not made for what I do, and there's nothing worse than using the wrong tools for the wrong job. Are we still on the intro? Wow. Okay, thanks for tuning in Life in Paradise podcast. Sit back, relax, and hand me the transmitter for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. Well, that may have been the longest intro in the history of all intros. Not just by me, but in the entire world in the history of time. My apologies, but I'm back and I'm ready to podcast more than ever. Actually, I'm kind of feeling grumpy today. It's been one of those days where I wanted to get outside and move around and be productive, but it was too dang hot, and then I got tied up doing something inside the house Turned into a project. It started out doing a little bit of research, then it turned into a project. Mm, one of those things. Then by the time I got done with that, I walked outside. It's like, oh my gosh, it's too hot to do anything out here. So I'm kind of feeling a little grumpy. I've been having some issues with work. You know, I feel like work issues will be forever from now until the end of time. You know, you just, you have work issues on Sundays. And if you, uh, if you don't want to deal with work issues on Sundays, then you go work for somebody else because... 
People do not hesitate to call you on Sunday. Doesn't matter if it's your day off. I have come to the conclusion that I never want anything to do with managing, running, or possibly even opening a restaurant again. Never, ever, 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 ever do I want anything to do with it. You know why? Because you're, you're dealing with an environment that nobody wants to be in and that people who are capable of dealing with that work environment, with the hot and the grease and the loud and the screaming and the steam and the ticket printer going off and everybody yelling at each other, the people who are okay working that environment, they're not cut out to walk around in the real world. And so they don't operate by the same sets of rules that one might think. Okay. And I don't, I haven't quite tied it all together, but I'm still just taking in what I'm, what I'm seeing and, and, and filing it away. And so far I've, I've kind of figured out that the, the types of people who work in kitchens and, and I'm not talking about like the executive chefs, I'm talking about the guys who have been in the kitchen their entire life and they're still a line cook and they're 35 or, or 40, you know? So it's not important to them where their paycheck comes from. It's not always important that their schedule is consistent. For some, it matters how many hours they get. Others, it doesn't matter how many hours they get. Some people will call in sick, and they'll they'll come in the next day and be fine. But when you cut their hours because it's slow, they get mad. And so it makes it very difficult from a manager's perspective to have so many inconsistencies. And, you know, I, I am one who generalizes. You know, I think it's okay to look around you, make observations, file them away, and then when you see similarities, attribute them to a, a general type or a general sentiment. And, and that's where I'm at right now. I've, uh, I've been working around kitchen staff for almost a year now, and it's pretty much the same type of person that works there. You know, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the details, but it's, it's like it's kind of this, this world between being an adult and being a child, right? So you're being an adult because you still have to pay your bills. You still got to make sure that your car runs. Sometimes it runs. Sometimes it doesn't run. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. It was just bad luck, man. The car's dead. You know, so so it's it's someone caught kind of between these two worlds where they they have to go to work, but they really like video games. They have to go to work, but they still want to go out at night and drink and get drunk. They have to go to work. But they still would rather be sitting on the couch smoking weed or, or whatever, doing something else other than work. They don't, they don't find delight in work. Uh, work is not rewarding. Um, it's not satisfactory to them. Uh, there's always an easier way to do something. Um, energy is a, is a precious uh, resource, and it should, be, it should be salvaged at all costs. Do not expend extra energy if you don't need to. So I don't know. I'm beginning to figure out the similarities and the types of people that work in the kitchen. And I'm wondering if I can overcompensate for that by paying people more money. So, so I'm wondering if I can pay more money for the employee's time, if I can get the better employee who's, who's more qualified, who thinks outside the box, who looks for ways to be more efficient, for looks for things to do to be more profitable, that's the kind of person I'm going to look for. And you know what? I'm just going to see how much I have to pay to get there. Because in my opinion, the way that, that I've seen it, this isn't sustainable. Like, I, I couldn't do this forever. I could never 
own or run this restaurant. And it's not even a real restaurant. It's a tiny little closet that we converted to a kitchen. We've got no more than four people at any given time are working. So it's not a whole, like, uh, it's not a whole giant kitchen full. It's just four people. And there's been so much inconsistency, so much turnover, so much no showing up, so much calling in sick, so much calling in drunk. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. You know, I've got a kitchen manager that's now the liaison between myself and the people that work in the kitchen. And I don't know what I would do without him. I don't know what I would do. Because the way that these people look at society and they look at the way that things work is so diametrically different than the way that I look at things. It's very, very difficult for us to even communicate. And I don't mean that in any sort of like snobby way or my way's better because you know what? Deep down inside, who am I to say how happy they are with their life? Okay. So I just want to get that out of the way. I'm not saying that I'm better than them. I'm just saying we're very different. And, and I, who knows? Maybe if you could measure happiness, they're happier than me. And, and you know what? That happens. Happens all the time. So one person's got to be happier than the other, probably. But yeah, it's just we're so different. We, we even have a hard time communicating. You know, like they, whenever you ask them a question and they don't have an answer, or you present them why, well, why would you do that? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, to me, that's something that like a seven year old says. Billy, why did you hit the dog? I don't know. Wait, no, you you had to have known. Why did you hit him? I he was and I hit him. Why did you hit the dog? I don't know. But you just told me. You just told me I couldn't understand you. I know, but I don't know. That's kitchen. This is the people that I deal with. That's that's just a little extreme. Listen, there's there's a few of them there that I love them to death. I love them. They know who they are. They know I'm not talking about them. The other ones, I don't care if they know that I'm talking about them because they don't try. They don't give. They don't think. They just do. Do the least amount to get that paycheck. And you know what? I just don't have time for those kinds of people. And if I got to pay more, I'm going to pay more. Okay, I didn't mean to go on about my rant, but my phone interrupted me in the intro, and it was somebody that I had to deal with, and it just set my world on fire. It came to kitchens, the kitchen people, and Sunday, and my day off. Ugh, file that one away and call it Kitchen People Chronicles. Well, I think I mentioned that I just got back from Miami. Not just got back, but my cousin Harry and I went there for the Bitcoin 2020 conference. And man, I, I don't know. I, it's been a long time since I've been to Miami, and I liked it. I liked it. I don't know if I could live all up in there. I don't know if I could live in the city. But it it felt like a foreign country. I mean, there's so many different nationalities running around there. And you find these little pockets. You know, we found the little little Haiti, little Haitian pocket. And we got some Caribbean food. It was amazing. Had some conch fritters, some fried plantains, oxtail. We also found a little uh, area that was like Venezuela. We got some Venezuelan food. Delicious. I'll tell you what's not delicious is Cuban sandwiches. And and, and Harry Harry and I agree wholeheartedly on this. That whoever whoever said Cuban sandwiches are good is just silly. I mean, it's just a ham sandwich with pulled pork on it and mustard. And normally the bread is like so crunchy, it cuts your mouth open. I don't know. I like sandwiches. To me, it's just another sandwich. 
It's a good sandwich, but it's not worth like going to a Cuban restaurant for. You can make it at your house for next to nothing. But you guys didn't pay me to come here, sit, and talk about sandwiches. So anyway, so back to Miami uh, Bitcoin conference. I had never seen so many kids run around in Lambos and Yeezys and, and fluorescent sunglasses <laughs> in all my life. And I looked around. I saw these Rolls Royces and these Ferraris. I thought, man, crypto is such a good thing. You know, given given these kids the ability to, quote unquote, invest or gamble or call it whatever you want to, but to have crypto in their life and to now have Robinhood and be able to trade stocks, like, that's a good thing. You know, it's it's a good thing whenever we can take the power or take the uh, take the deck, the stacked deck away from the, the house and distribute the winning cards back to the people. You know, w- whether you agree or not, if they're using their money responsibly, I don't care. It's their money. They made it however. But yeah, man, there's these kids. I'd say the average age range there was probably um, 25 to 35. And, you know, I, I'm not up on all the new shoes and fashions, but I knew that all these kids had some similar looking shoes on, like tennis shoes. And they weren't a brand that I've ever recognized before. So they weren't like the Nike, Reebok, nothing like that. I said, you know what? I bet you those are Yeezys. Those are probably Yeezys because I know that that's a popular brand. I know they're like two or $3,000 for a pair of the fancy shoes. And all these little white kids running around with comb-over haircuts, tight jeans, and Yeezys on, driving Lambos. <laughs> it was amazing. No masks. The whole conference was completely mask-free. But you walk outside that conference in, in the city of Miami, you'd have thought it was like uh, the first day of COVID in 2020. Yep, first day of COVID. They were all masked up, ready to go. They didn't believe the science. Wait, no, they trust the science? Oh, gosh. Wait, I'm going to mess this up. So we're supposed to trust the science whenever they told us to wear the mask. But when they tell us that we don't have to wear the mask and we're not not trusting science, and then but we're still going to chastise the other people who never trusted science to begin with, oh, well, you get the idea. We're living in a land of complete silliness. It's obvious. That it's obvious to me now, more obvious than it's ever been before, that the mask is not about the virus. The mask is not about COVID. The mask is a way, and, and you know what? If somebody would have told me this a year and a half ago, I would say, that's not true. Don't be stupid. Don't. That's just dumb. If you would have told me what I'm about to say a year and a half ago, that would have been my reaction. The mask became a way for a certain political affiliation to identify themselves and to say, here, here we are, these are our beliefs. They are more right than yours. We are more righteous than you are. We care more about humanity and people than you do. And in order to, to feel a part of that group, in order to maintain the, the sentiments and the cohesiveness and show what, is the, what they like to say, solidarity, to stand in solidarity with, with each other, they wear the mask. And man, you know... As much as I think it's silly, it's a pretty smart plan. I don't know if they actually planned it that way, but it did definitely work out in that way. So I've been thinking about what what would the opposite of that look like? You know, because not doing something isn't going to create an identifier. So there's got to be something that the, the opposing side can do 
to indicate their stance on life and also create a way to assimilate with people around them. Because I've heard numerous people say, well, I mean, really, I'm going to keep wearing the mask so nobody thinks I'm a Republican. And I, I think that's kind of funny, but it's, it's true, which is stupid. It's so dumb. And, and there's, it's gotten to be such a thing that they've even tricked the people who don't know any better. The innocent people who, you know, they don't want to take the time to look at any statistics. They don't want to read the, the publications. They don't want to go digging. They just want to do what they're supposed to do and everyone be friends and nobody fight and let's just all do our thing. And if we have to wear a mask, we wear a mask. That's who I feel sorry for. Because those are the ones that are being used like pawns. They're just to go with the flow. Don't cause any problems. And, and this is probably 80% of the people that wear masks. Maybe, maybe 70. Okay? These aren't the die, had, die hard, I wear a mask and you go to hell people. These are the people like, look, man, that just says we're supposed to wear a mask. I'm going to wear a mask because I don't want my wife yelling at me. It embarrasses her. Th that's the normal mask wearer. Bothers me that they don't have the balls to stand up and say, I don't care. I'm not doing it. You can't make me do it. There's no sense in it. But either way, I feel bad for them. Because at the very beginning, we we're supposed to trust science. Science says wear the mask. Okay? We wear the mask. End of this deal, science says take the mask off. Nope. Mm -mm, mm -mm, not taking it off. But um, the CDC tells us that we can take it off. Yeah, but no, I'm not going to. Do you see how frustrating that is for guys like me? who like really thrive on consistency and statistics and, and, and standing on your word. Do you see how frustrating that is for people like me who have been dying to, to just get a benchmark of when we can stop with the mask nonsense? You see how frustrating that is? I, I know most of you who are super mask people probably don't care, but it's very, very frustrating for guys like me to be told to do something, never given an endpoint. And then when someone does come out and say, okay, we can stop now. And then once again, guys like me think, oh, this is great. We can stop now. But then you get an Uber and you're like, so you have to take your mask on. And I go, uh, the CDC says no more masks. Yeah, but it's Uber policy. You have to take your mask. I don't, I'm not, I don't have a mask. I'm not, I'm not putting a mask on. Well, you can't ride in here. You have to get out. Okay, I'll get out. See you later, alligator. Do you realize how frustrating it is for guys like me that, that, that take you CDC and, and Fauci is a man of your word. And then I still got to deal with these yahoos that are such pussies. Excuse my French. There's no other word for them. They can't, they can't stand it. They cannot stand it. They didn't think that we were ready to take off the masks. They didn't feel like we were ready to take off the masks. And it just bothered them so much that the CDC said, okay, the science says no masks. That Nope, they're not doing it. They're not doing it. We're not ready. And part of me thinks it's all emotional. It is all like, they just didn't feel ready. Remember the clip that I played from Rachel Maddow? Look, I, I don't want to be talking about the mask anymore. I really do want to be done with it. But every time I look around, something jumps in my face. And it screams, it screams to me, look at these humans. These are humans. This is, this is a majority of the people. I'm the outlier. I get it. I know. I'm the guy that everyone's like, okay, dude, we get it. You don't like the mask. Look, I know that's me. I'm the Alex Jones of the mask, but I cannot not say things. I mean, I just think about how, like, what would have happened if this was the 1800s? We're not, we're not tough. We're, we're losing our ability to, to, to rush into battle with confidence. 
We're losing our ability to say, hey, we're going to fight this thing. We're, we're not going to shut down our economy because that's going to destroy us, which it is. I'm going to touch on that here in a second. We're not going to shut things down. We're going to take care of our people. We're going to take care of our neighbors. You're not going to tell me what to do. I don't elect you, CDC. I'm not listening to orders. There's no science. There's nothing. So, you know, it really bothers me that we can't, that we transformed. We transformed from a, a community or a society who stormed the Boston Harbor. We stormed all the boats. We grabbed the tea. We threw it in the water. We said, screw you. Screw your taxes. Screw your king. We're on our own. Okay? We went from that to, sir, you have to wear a mask in Uber. But but why do I have to wear a mask? I don't know, sir. It's just a rule. That's, that's, that's where we are now. Just the rule. Just the rule. Just the rule. There was 1,000 cases per day in Florida. Population like 22 million. And I asked the Uber driver. I said, uh, what would the cases have to be for you to not wear a mask? I don't know. I don't know. And they get very, very touchy. They're very, very sensitive. You're not, you're not even supposed to ask about it. Highly, highly entertaining. I feel bad for us at the same time. At the same time, I'm glad I live in Texas. Where, where Neanderthals rule and are also right. There's still a ton more details about the Miami trip that, that, uh, that need to be heard. I'm going to do a podcast with Harry... And then I'm going to post it on my thread too. So we're going to relive the Miami trip, talk about some do's and don'ts of Miami, uh, some regrets and some brags, and then I'll post it here and he'll post it on his. And then that way everybody get to hear it. It had been a while since I traveled. I forgot how much I hated the TSA. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not trying to be all negative. Well, it's just, it's just the nature of my podcast. I come here and I, I complain most of the time, but uh, I try to remain lighthearted. I hate the TSA. I feel like the people who work at the TSA uh, got fired from Burger King, that they couldn't cut it at Long John Silver's, so they are now at the TSA. And it's it's laughable, you know. They holler at you, they scream at you. Put your hands in your pockets. Pull out anything in your pockets. Open the backpack. Take the computers out the backpack. Put the computers in the tray. Take the tray. Try to slide the tray on the belt. Take off your belt. Put your belt in the other tray and walk forward. When you are instructed, put your hands above your head. Higher, higher, even maybe a little higher. Put your feet on the yellow feet and do not move until we tell you. Do I make myself clear? <laughs> That's what the TSA is like. And I just laugh, you know, I laugh. They said, sir, you need to take off your belt. I said, belt's not coming off. You strip search me, do whatever you got to do. Uh, belt comes off, shorts come off. Yeah, nobody around here wants to see what's underneath those shorts, so... You tell me we'll go to the separate room and me and you can look and see what's under those shorts. So they get the little magic wand, beep, 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 right on the belt buckle. There it is. No sense of taking off the belt. Could have saved all the time in the world if they just would have got the wand out from the beginning. I also think it's funny that every TSA is different. You know, flying from Houston to Miami, had to pull everything out of the backpack. All the laptop, iPod, iPad, chargers, all that had to come out. Coming back the other way, nothing had to come out. Shoes came off, but that's it. Oh, and they found seven bullets in my, my bag uh, when I left Houston. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, seven nine-millimeter cop killer bullets that were in my backpack. from Last time I went hunting, I emptied out the cop killer bullets from my gun and put in the standard target practice bullets. Well, I never reloaded it with the cop killers, so... For those of you that don't know, cop killers is just a term. They're just home defense bullets. They're not actually made for killing police officers. 
I don't kill cops. I shake their hands. Speaking of killing cops, there was a, a shooting in Miami like a week or so before we got there. I want to say it was like 22 people were shot. Two or three were killed. Uh, it was in Wynwood, W-Y-N-W-O-O-D. And uh, I encourage everyone to go look it up. Just If, if I have some of the data wrong, it's not intentional. I just don't remember everything. And so I thought to myself, well, that's odd. Like, why would they, how could no one have heard about this? So I go, Google it, look it up. Sure enough, there it is. 22 people shot. However many killed. It was at a nightclub. Somebody pulled up with a gun, just started spraying, spraying and praying, shooting people. No, no national news. No memorial services. No parades for the funeral. In fact, you probably didn't even hear about it. Why? Does anyone, or do you not really want to talk about it? Should we not talk about it? Uh, it might, you know, we don't want to upset anyone. Let's not talk about it. Let's not. Let's leave that one alone. I just encourage everyone to think and ask questions about why. Why would we not cover that one? That's it. You come to your own conclusion. You don't need me. You don't need me to guide you there. You can get there. Why wouldn't we cover it? Why wouldn't we cover a 23-person mass shooting. I don't know. Is it because it happens often? Mm, nope. 23-person shooting doesn't happen that often. I don't know. But once again, I'm not going to go through it. I would like for you to come up with your own conclusion, and you tell me. Text me, call me, email me. My email address is brandon at newasisbrewing.com. That's N-U-E-C-E-S brewing.com and you tell me why you think they didn't cover it check it out when would when would shooting i think it was like may 28th may 30th somewhere in there uh miami 23 people you'll find it 22 people something like that tell me why you think they didn't cover it why wasn't al sharpton jessa jocelyn all those guys why weren't they there why was there no blm rally what i mean why wasn't there no memorial I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just asking questions. Let me know what you think. Speaking of thinking, I got a couple of things I want to play for you. Spoken from the um, vice president lady, Kamala Harris. You know, I can't stand this person. Not, not because she's a woman. Not because she's a minority or she's half Indian, half black. None of that stuff bothers me. Not even a little teeny tiny bit. What bothers me about this person is her, I don't want to say she's evil because I don't know her that well, but she's got this laugh this <laughs> that she does like when she's nervous or when she's guilty. It's the same lot that Hillary Clinton did and a lot of politicians have it, especially women. They get uncomfortable and they laugh. I don't have any clips of that. I do have some other clips because another thing that I hate about this person is that she is very, very, very contradictory. She'll say something, and then she'll say the complete opposite. And you know what? She called, um, even in the debates, in the Democrat debates, she called Joe Biden, I think, a sexist, misogynist, woman-hater, blah, blah, blah. And then when she got asked about it, after she t accepted the nomination, she goes, oh, <laughs> that was a debate. <laughs> Okay, so you don't mean what you say in a debate, bruh, or what? Hey, Kamala, there's a big crisis at the border. Are you going to go down there? 
<laughs> Not right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, Kamala, there's a big crisis at the border. Have you been there? What? <laughs> no, and I haven't been to Europe either. Okay. But I thought you were the, the person in charge of the border situation. Okay, fine. Th then I'll go down to Guatemala and I'll talk to them. <laughs> Gotta be kidding me. We elect these people. Here, listen. Th this was before the election. Just listen. And on the issue of immigration, he has also defied who we are morally and who we say we are to the world. We have always presented ourselves as being a nation of strength with strong arms, that when people are fleeing harm, we will embrace them. But look at what has happened with this administration. There are children who are fleeing murder capitals of the world. Let's be clear about this. Imagine a mother who makes a decision to pay a coyote to transport her child across the entire country of Mexico, facing unknown peril. She does that because she believes for that child to stay where they are is worse. Okay, so you heard the compassion. You heard the reasoning for, like, cutting them some slack. You heard the... You know, she didn't necessarily say we should just let them in, but but you can kind of tell where she stands, which is compassion. Let them in. Don't keep them out. They have. They should be able to come here just like our ancestors came here. Like kind of get, you kind of get those sentiments, right? He's very very clever the way these people speak. So they say things in a way that they can always go back and say, "Well, I never said that," but it's a lot of implications. Okay, now listen to this next clip which was taken a couple weeks ago or last week, maybe in Guatemala where she went, she went to Guatemala and, and encouraged them not to come to the U S. So instead of securing our border where people are coming through, she goes to Guatemala and, and yeah, yeah. Just listen. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. Now, she never said they were going to stop it. She just said they were going to discourage it. So, even though you can tell it's obvious the different sentiments of the speech, 60 Minutes probably doesn't have enough to get her. Because of, because of they can't go on implications. They have to go on what what you said. Well, yeah. I mean, I said that we have legal ways of stopping immigration. That's what we're going to do. We'll do it. I've always, I've always been for that. You know, this is why I don't trust this person. Like we can't elect these people as leaders. And you know what? I've, I've kind of noticed that it's a common thing that the left will say something. And then when enough time goes by, they'll say the opposite. And, I guess one could say that Republicans do it too. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. And, and the reason why I don't, I would tend to disagree is because the Republicans, the right, they're not trying to change things. They're trying to keep things from being changed. And so by default, they're not going to advocate that we do something. We're just going to advocate that we stop doing so many things and manage the things that we already have in place. So necessarily you can see how 
the two differences in the way that these two groups operate, one would be put in a position where they say they want to change something, and then and then something changes, something happens, a catalyst happens, and then they go, no, 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 we're not going to change that. Because in order to gain support, they have to change things. Okay, enough about double-talking politicians. It's time to talk about double-talking bankers. I know uh, in the show's past, I've always talked about, you know, I think that there's a pretty big market turndown coming. Uh, hopefully it's not as big as what some people suspect. And, uh, well, hopefully it doesn't happen at all. Hopefully we're all wrong. But those of us who spend the time researching things and reading about the economy pretty much mainly agree we're headed for a pretty big downturn. So I'm always looking at um, what could cause it. What could, what, could, what could be the ground shaker that sends everything, that all the dominoes to fall? And so there's recently been a big buzz about the reverse repo market. And I'm going to try to explain that as best as I can. I've just kind of gotten the grasp of it today, <laughs> this morning. Light bulb went off. I was like, bing. I was like, okay, I think I understand it now. I've been kind of researching it for the last week or so. And uh, it's, it's a little bit tricky. But here's, here's, here's how it works. So you have the Federal Reserve. They're uh, basically a committee appointed by the government to help make monetary policy to control what money does, whether the interest rates go up or go down, uh, spending and borrowing, how much pressure it all has. Like they, they adjust these, they tweak these little rates. They're like a big, like a big mixer board. They got, they can just do all these little things to make make certain things happen behind the scenes that most of us don't ever see. Well, one of those things is to, to issue a, a treasury bill or a, or a bond by the government for individuals to purchase as an investment, and so. People buy these bonds, which is basically like loaning the government money. So I buy a bond for, let's just say, $100. Actually, I buy the bond for like $98. That's, that's, the bond is worth $100, but I'm buying it for $98. That's called the bond discount rate. So I'm buying it for $98 in X amount in the future. It's going to be worth $100. So I buy it. I hold it. I sell it for $100. That's the basic, basic how it works, the, the treasury bill or the, or the bonds. So banks have these on hand, right? It's a, um, it's a way to make sure that, that nothing goes wrong and their cash is solid. Uh, they have faith in the U.S. government. They, they hold on to these also for borrowing power so that they can, they can use it to, to borrow things because a bank is just another business. There's certain times where they need cash. There's certain times where they need product. And... Bonds are almost as good as cash. You just can't buy anything with them. So you can borrow against them because everyone has faith that the government will pay them back. Now, the price of those bonds fluctuate. And so you may have a $100 bond that when when the year 10 is over, it's worth 100 bucks. But you might be willing to pay 101 for that or 102 or 103 or 96 or 98. So the price doesn't always equal the amount because we have to think about there's the future. There's the unknown of the future. And so right now there's a bunch of uncertainty in the marketplace, just all kind of all together. No one really knows what's going to happen. Well, let's, let's back up. I'm going to back up a little bit. So, so we know what the bond is. Okay. So certain times things come up when banks or these hedge fund guys, they need money instantly. 
and and it can just be for overnight and 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 I don't exactly understand the all the details of that that'll probably be my next deep dive but so there's instances that come out where the banks like hey listen I've got these securities I've got these treasury bills we know what they're going to be worth I need to borrow 100 million dollars but I just need it for like the next 2 days so then they swap right I the the guy who has the treasury bills gives them to one bank and the other bank gives those the cash back to the guy who had the bills. And so maybe the bank's investing in some short-term things. I'm not sure, but they need a cash overnight, uh, maybe for two days or whatever. Um, then when they're done with it, they're going to give it back to the guy who they swapped with as in normal financing and borrowing lending. The person who needed the cash had to pay an interest rate. So they had to, they had to say, here's all your money back. Here's a little bit of interest. Remember the other the lender was just holding the T-bill for collateral. They wanted their cash back. So the, the the lender gets paid back. They get paid back their interest. The borrower gets his T-bills back. They go on about their way. Transaction's over with and done. No one ever saw it happen. Once again, I'm not exactly sure the reasoning behind it. That'll probably be my next podcast. The thing that makes that work is that the, the cash has more valuable than the treasury bill. But now let's just say that the treasury bill, people would rather have them more than they'd have the cash. And I'll get to why in just a second. So going back to the original scenario, I've got treasury bills. Uh, Johnny over there, he's got a bank with cash. I don't need any of his cash right now. I'm good. I played all my cards right. I got my treasury bills. Things are going like they're supposed to be going. But then all of a sudden, the bank of Johnny's like, hey, um, you uh you need any cash? I'm like, no, nah, man, I don't I don't need any cash. And he goes, Well, man, I really need those treasury bills. And I say, Huh. Well, the worm's turned. Now you got to pay me interest for borrowing my treasury bills. Because remember, the first scenario, I needed the cash. I had the treasury bills. Which is that none of that's changed. This time, I don't need the cash. I've got the bills. He needs the bills. So I said, Johnny. Before I loan you these treasury bills, I need to know why you need them, okay? Remember back to the, the GME, the GameStop, and the stock shorting, okay? So Johnny now has this treasury bill, or he wants to get his hands on this treasury bill. That he wants to just borrow it and go sell it into the market at a high price. He's, he's going to do what's called a short. Remember a couple episodes back we talked about this. He's going to do what's called a short, which means he's expecting the price of those bonds to go down. So what he does is he borrows the bonds from me. He also gives he, he t- gives me the cash, takes the bonds, pays me my interest, sells the bonds into the market. Price of the bonds go down. He buys them back, returns them to me, and Bank of Johnny makes his money. Okay, that's a short. That's a short position. That's what all the people got in trouble with on GameStop and AMC and, and all that stuff still kind of happening too. But either way, so he's expecting the price of bonds to go down. Now, remember, if the price of those bonds go up, it puts the Bank of Johnny in a big, big bind. Because his downside, his losses are infinite. Okay? Meaning for every dollar that that bond goes up in value, is another dollar he's got to come up with in order to buy it back to give it back to me. Remember, he was betting that the price would go down. So he was hoping to buy that $100 bond for 95 bucks. 
The next day, the price of bonds has dropped to 93. He buys it back for 93, returns it back to me, and keeps the $2 difference. That's how the short works. So when this happens, when the, when the price of the bond becomes worth more than the cash does, this is called a negative interest rate. It gets kind of tricky, but remember, when you hear the word interest rate, we tend to think of it from a borrower's perspective. We tend to think of it as the person who needs the cash. In, in traditional finance, interest rate is always positive on one side and negative on the other side. So in the current situation, in the reverse repo market, which is what I just described, the interest rate is negative, um, meaning the, the securities are worth more than cash. So there's a couple different things that, that could be causing that, and I don't want to go into it because I'm not sure enough how to explain it yet, and I'm not 100% sure I have the grasp on it. I just know that people are betting on the price of bonds going down by shorting them. And, and, and why they're thinking the bonds are going to go down, I don't know. That's, that's, I think I have an idea. I'm not going to put it out there yet until I do some research. So this is, the, this is the first time in history that the reverse repo uh, loans have hit over $500 billion in a day. So this, all this stuff happens w- within a 24-hour period. It's crazy to me, but that's how it do. And we use this type of trickery to help to help skirt around problems that we're having or to, to solve insolvency issues or basically we just use it to put a Band-Aid on things. And as long as the Band-Aid doesn't run out of sticky, we just take it off of this, put it on that, take it off this, put it on that, take it off this, put it on that. I'm of the mindset that eventually all Band-Aids run out of sticky. So I don't know. Take that for what it means. Um, if the if the person who needs cash overnight from the pawn shop can't get cash overnight, chances are something bad's going to happen. You know, if you've got to borrow money for a 24-hour period or if you got to have money in your hands within 24 hours, you know, something something ain't smelling right. That's all I got to say. And I know that the reverse repo market has been a thing since day 1 or who knows when it started. But either way, no matter what, when it started, it started as a band-aid and it's going to finish as a band-aid. Everything comes crashing down. Everything that's not like normal math i feel like like anything that takes like all this explaining that's not like simple borrowing and lending it it will come crashing down that's just my opinion i don't know it's kind of cavemanish of me but that's kind of how i feel that's why i want to go back to like i want to trade like clubs for goats <laughs> caveman days all right man it's 10 till seven o'clock on a sunday uh I've been on here for like 45 minutes. Now I got to go do the editing. I got the Voitech who's coming here next weekend. I guess he's moving here. Yeah, officially. Um, we're going to try to start a landscape business. We'll have tons of stories from that. And um, yeah, it's going to get interesting <laughs> around here. We're going to have one new man and one new dog. Voitech's got a little beagle named Luna. She's supposedly wild as an Indian, so... It should get fun. And, you know, the Voitech doesn't know a lot about economics and finance and stock market. So if I can get him interested in it, I want to bring him on here and let him ask the questions that everyone else might be wondering. You know what? Maybe you people don't even care. Maybe you fast forward through all the finance stuff. I don't know. I find it super interesting to me. Knowing how money works, it can only be advantageous. So, okay, that is going to do it. 
I'm now rambling. I thank everyone for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast with me, Brandon Harper. I encourage everyone to go out there, be courageous, call out hypocrites when you see them, but do it respectfully. Learn a new hobby. Think outside the box, but appreciate old people who don't think outside the box. Hold the door open for people. Not just anyone, everyone. Go spend some time outside. And most of all, keep it tranquilo. It's that candy paint, aided bowls, built-in buckles, chrome and grill, leather seat, stitch it tuck, TV screens and wooden wheels, sway roof, neon lights, bold tires, swinging bang, tops drop, blades chop, fifth wheel just hanging, man, white tees, fitted hats, Jordans under tickets, the switch is sweet, cigarillos filled up with the stickies, 15th, man in the face, kick, kicking, Cadillac, dope slamming on them folks.
it's from me to you, this out for no, you're gonna see me do so until I die, I wanna be with you, you're everything.